Today's scripture is from John 10, 1 through 11. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. These are the words of our Lord. Good morning. You guys doing well? New series, brand new teaching series this weekend, and we're going to baptize some folks this weekend. We're very happy you are here. Welcome to those that are on YouTube live watching right now. Thank you for joining us. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 10. You thought we were out of the book of John, but no, we're not, okay? We're just going back just for this uh, time here. Uh, and so, hearing the voice of God, this is part one, our ability to hear God. John chapter 10, we're looking at verses 1 through 11. The theme verse for this uh, series is found in Matthew 4, 4, should be up on the screen here. Yep, there it is. Let's read this together and aloud. You guys ready? One, two, three. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's the theme verse for this series. There's more to your life than the physical. There's a spiritual part of you. And there's more to life than eating, sleeping, working, and playing. Listen to me. You're not, you are not fully alive until you're hearing God's voice and interacting with God and knowing God. If I were to ask you, what is the main difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? What's the main difference between a Christian and a non-Christian? I've got it right there on your notes. The main difference between a believer and an unbeliever is a believer has a personal relationship with God. If you're a believer in Christ, you have a personal relationship with God. A personal relationship with God involves two-way communication, interaction, and a friendship, and a friendship with God. That's amazing. I love it. This is the best part of the Christian life. This is the best part of being a Christian. Now, how can I learn to hear God's voice more clearly? How can I know that God is speaking to me? How can I distinguish God's voice from other voices? 
How can I have an intimate interaction, dialogue with God? How many have ever asked those questions, show of hands? Yeah, I think we all have. We probably still are asking those questions, no matter how long you've been following Christ. This series is meant to help us answer those questions. And, and this might sound like an overstatement. I don't believe it is. Learning to hear the voice of God is the solution to all of your problems. Learning to hear the voice of God is the solution to all your problems. Now, there's two truths that we need to reconcile right at the beginning of this. You can see this on your notes. We've got the work of God called inspiration, the work of God called promptings. Let's look at the work of God called inspiration. This is where God guided men to write scripture um, the same as if God had written it. It's called the doctrine of the inspiration of, of the Bible. And you can study more on that, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. Kind of helps us to understand what that idea of inspiration is. Here's my question for you. Is Scripture finished? Is Scripture finished? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. So when you hear God, you're not going to be writing any more Scripture, okay? You got that? You got that? So there's a difference between that, so Scripture is finished, but here's the next doctrine that the Bible talks about that you need to understand. The work of God called promptings of the Holy Spirit for conviction, comfort, guidance, assurance, and wisdom. Now, there are those that believe, I know, know them personally, that would say, oh, God only speaks through His Word. He spoke to people back, you know, in the Old Testament, New Testament days, but he doesn't speak like that anymore. He's, now he just speaks through his word. You're cutting yourself off from really important information and interaction and intimacy with God. Believe me, if you don't understand the doctrine of, of the promptings of the Holy Spirit, man, you're missing out on intimate relationship with God. The work of, of God called promptings of the Holy Spirit for conviction, comfort, guidance, assurance, and wisdom. So let me ask you this question. Does God still prompt through the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. I mean, we just did a teaching series through the Gospel of John, Believe series, and we spent two weekends talking about not just the promised Holy Spirit, and that was in John 14, 18 through 26. And then we talked about, a couple weeks after that, we talked about really the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. John chapter 16, verses 4 through 15. Now here's the, the big idea between these two, these two truths being reconciled. God will never say anything to your heart that is contrary to what He has already said in His Word. Do you understand that? That's important. That's important. So we always filter everything through His Word. That's why you need to know God's Word. You got to really study God's Word. So God will never say anything to your heart that is contrary to what He has already said in His Word. Now, I want to talk to you this morning uh, about our ability to hear God and our ability to hear God. There's three things about that I want you to walk away with this morning. That it, it, it is given, it's grown, it needs to be grown, and it's unbelievably gratifying. Let's take that first one here. First fill in the blank. Not your first fill in the blank on your notes, but... Uh, one of your fill-in-the-blanks there. Our ability to hear God is given. And now take a look at verses 3 through 4 of our text in John chapter 10. Let's walk through this. Notice what it says, to him, the gatekeeper, to him is talking about Jesus, the gatekeeper opens. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The gatekeeper, many uh, commentators, theologians would say, the gatekeeper is John the Baptist. He was the forerunner of Jesus. 
So to him, Jesus the gatekeeper, John the Baptist opens, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. So it speaks of of belonging and personal relationship and leads them out. That speaks of direction and purpose. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, protection, provision. And the sheep follow him. That means loving obedience, for they know his voice. So, So three things you need to know from these two verses. Jesus is the good shepherd. We know that based on verse 11 of our text. We are the sheep, and his sheep know and hear his voice. Now, this is only an analogy to help the people in this culture of livestock to understand that we can hear God's voice. We're not very familiar with, uh, with this whole idea of sheep and shepherds and all that. Anybody have sheep? Anybody here have sheep? You have sheep? You had sheep, okay. So you probably are more familiar with this, this idea of sheep and shepherds and, and all of this. But most of us, we're city folks, you know. The most I know about is cattle and horses. And, and there's some similarities, but not, not a lot. And so this is an analogy that these people understood. And I've talked to people that have gone to Israel. I've never been to Israel. But it's not uncommon in Israel, even to this day, to have several flocks of sheep congregate together in the same field for grazing. When that field was really good for grazing, many shepherds would bring their sheep to that field. But when a shepherd would come to take his sheep to their sheepfold at night to protect them from predators, he would make a specific noise calling his sheep and only his sheep would come to him. And we talked about this uh, back in John chapter 10 when we were going through this. But uh, how many have a dog or a cat? And does your dog or cat come to you when you call them? And so there was a little bit of a debate. I said, yeah, dogs will come to you if you train them. But there's no cat that will come to you when you... I don't believe that. Okay, but there's people that swore up and down. And they said some really mean things to me. About that, I said, "Yeah, my cat, my cat. I'll bring my cat over to your house." And okay, 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 okay. I believe your cat. Uh, yeah, you got a you got a cat, and it, if it call, when you call, your cat comes. It wasn't because you put the food out, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I got off. I got off track here. So, how many would say by show of hands that your dog and cat come to you better than your kids come to you? Okay, we're going to be doing some parenting classes really soon. And so, uh, so the point of this really is, is that just as sheep naturally hear the voice of their shepherd, that's the point, we as Christians will naturally hear the voice of God, our good shepherd. It's given to us. Now, you don't need a PhD in zoology to know that animals don't use language the same way that we do. So this is kind of where the analogy breaks down a bit. I mean, we had a dog, Brownie, Brown Lab, She's no longer with us, and, um, but there was a time when uh, I would call her, she would come, I would rub and scratch her head, and with a kind, sweet voice say, you're the dumbest dog in the whole wide world. You are so dumb, I don't know why anyone would ever want to have you as a dog. You know, what was interesting about Brownie is that she would still wag her tail and be excited just like I gave her the best compliment in the world. 
I never had once Brownie say to me, that's rude. And I'm not coming to you the next time you call me. In fact, when you're not looking, I'm going to come behind you and bite you on the back end. No, she never said that. She had no idea. She more kind of knew the tone of voice. And I, you know, certainly animals might be able to communicate at some level. They can obviously come at our command and, and things like that. But there's not really deep conversation that they understand coming from us, nor from them, if you know what I mean. And so that's kind of the point here. But, and so this is where this analogy kind of breaks down. But, but what we need to understand is that you and I have the ability to hear and speak because we were created in the image of a God who hears and speaks. We're created in the image of God. We're image bearers of God. He created you with the ability to communicate so that you could communicate with Him and with other people. That is what separates us from animals. You can communicate with God. He wants to communicate with you. You have that ability. In fact, here's a couple fill-in-the-blanks on your notes, next couple thoughts here. Hearing the voice of God is not something you do, it's who you are. So don't look at it like a punch list, it's more about a relationship. And it's not something you achieve, but something you receive. That's the next thought. Now, how do we receive it? I wasn't going to talk about this, but I think it's important for us to understand how God speaks to us. And so let me start with initially how we hear the voice of God. If someone were to ask you, and I teach this in our DB Life class, if someone were to ask you, how do you know there is a God? And you'd answer them, well, I know there's a God because He's revealed Himself to us. Not by human speculation, but by divine revelation. That's how I know there's a God. And then you just leave it at that and see if they answer the next, ask the next question. So how, do you, how has He revealed Himself to us? And so we know that God has revealed Himself to us through creation, conscience, commandments. I, I use a C word there, but it's the Bible. He wrote a book. And ultimately through Christ. He came to this earth through Jesus Christ. But initially, everyone on this planet can hear God speaking to them through creation, nonverbal communication. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, you can hear the voice of God through creation. Psalm 19, and, then it, and that's what I quoted the first verse of Psalm 19, and then as you work through Psalm 19, it talks about God's Word speaks to us. And then the end of Psalm 19 really talks about our conscience. And then you go to Romans 1, it talks about God's Word. In fact, it even says this about God's, God's that is the world, that is creation, it talks about creation speaking to us, and he says, in fact, there's enough revelation in creation that man is without excuse, but the, the problem is, is that we suppress the truth in our unrighteousness. And it says that man is without excuse. I'm, I'm calling to them through creation. And then that's Romans 1. Romans 2 talks about our conscience, sense of right and wrong, wicked, evil, and good. And, you know, when we, when we are troubled over injustice, God's speaking to us through that. And then Romans 3 is talking about Christ. Christ showed up here. Creation, conscience, commandments. Christ, God draws everyone, but not everyone comes. But what, what do we do when we come? We need to 
give our lives to him. We, we make a commitment of our lives to him because of what he's done for us. In fact, look at verse 9 of our text. kind of helps us to understand how this uh, ability to hear God is given to us. He says, I am the door, this is Jesus speaking, for if anyone enters by me, so this is entering in, you, you, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will be saved. What is salvation? Entering into a relationship with God, going to heaven, having your sins forgiven, having the Holy Spirit come and dwell within you. He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Look at verse 11. How does he do that? Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So why did he need to lay down his life for us, the sheep? Well, those that are getting baptized here this morning, this is what they've come to terms with. Now, there's two church ordinances. Anybody know what the two church ordinances are that we practice annually here? One we practice every month. The other one, this one, we practice twice a year. Yeah, communion and water baptism. And, and what are they? They're, they help us to understand the gospel. And so the people that are being baptized is that they're identifying with substitutionary atonement, the substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they've come to terms with the fact that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all fail to see how desirable and satisfying God is. And in fact, it tells us in Romans 1.21, what we do is we exchange the truth of God for a lie and we worship and serve created things more than the Creator. That's the essence of the sin. We rebel against God, and so we exchange Him for a lie, and we worship and serve created things more than the Creator. And it tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, so that's separation from God. We're separated from Him. We can't have a relationship with Him. We're not going to heaven. Our sins aren't forgiven. We have sins that separate us from Him. But it doesn't stop there. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. Oh, my goodness. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then, so how do we enter into that free gift? It tells us in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You put your faith in Him. In fact, when you do that, it talks about being born again, John 3, 3 and 3, 5, that we're born again. And then we have this capacity to this this capacity that's been given to us to interact with God, to know God, to have a relationship with God. That's amazing. I love it. Like I said, my favorite part of Christian life. So, in justice, God passed the required sentence of death on our sin, on our rebellion against Him. We're all guilty. We're all, we're all in the same boat, okay? And He passed the required sentence of death on our sin that's, that's his justice, a rebellion against him. But in his mercy, but in his mercy, he took that punishment himself on the cross. Oh, what? Yeah, I've never been able to get over that. What? He took my sin. He took my unrighteousness. He took my sinful record and died in my place for my sins, gave me his perfect record. So I'm not saved by my performance, I'm saved by His performance. The gospel is not good advice at what you must do to be right with God. It is good news about what God has done to make us right with Him. It's a gift. 
And so hearing God is a gift. Entering into this relationship with him is a gift. And so in mercy, he took that punishment himself on the cross and in grace has reconciled us to himself, giving us the ability to interact with him, to know him, to hear his voice. So how do you enter into that relationship with him? By prayer through faith in Jesus Christ. You acknowledge your sin. ABCs, you acknowledge your sin. B, you believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins. You confess him. C, you confess him as your Savior. And Lord, you give your life to him. You live your life for him. And that's what those that are getting baptized are acknowledging. I've done that. He's my substitute for me. Death, burial, and resurrection. He lived the life I should have lived. He died the death I should have died for me. It's amazing. I love it. I love the gospel. That's what transforms our hearts. But this ability to hear his voice must be grown. That's your next fill in the blank there. So it's given to us, but it's, it must be grown. Now, we have been given the ability to hear God, but it must be grown. I think a great example of this would be children. Children are born with the ability to communicate, but that ability must be grown. Children need to be taught words and sentences and grammar and what, when, and how to say things, when not to say things. We've all had that experience with a child in the marketplace. Your children blurts out something that's totally inappropriate to all the people around and you're like, ah, you're mortified. You're like, I please, that's not my kid. Everybody distances themselves from that kid. It's like, ah, that's his kid, it's her kid. And so children need to be matured in their communication skills. Take a look at verse five in the, in the text. It says, a stranger they will not follow, and they will flee. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So let me ask you this question. Do you know the voice of strangers? Do you know the difference between the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of strangers? You need to know that. That needs to be matured in your life. Look at verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Thieves and robbers. Do you know the difference between the voice of the shepherd and the voice of thieves and robbers. Let me ask you this question. Is God's voice the loudest voice in your life? If not, that's a serious problem. The thieves and the robbers are going to take you down. I'll guarantee you that. I see that happening to Christians all the time because they didn't grow in their ability to hear and interact with God. There are so many competing voices, and it seems like in our culture today, even more so, with all the media, there's so many competing voices. Are you able to distinguish the voices that are out there? I mean, I've had Christians come to me and say that they were getting godly counsel, Christian counsel, and when I examined it and really looked at it and looked at their attitude and their response to their circumstances, I thought, that's not godly counsel. That's inconsistent with what the Bible teaches. And yet they were being led astray by a stranger's voice that claimed to be godly counsel or Christian counsel. So you need to know the difference between the two. My aunt this last week received a call from the Social Security office to verify some information. And, and they asked, they said to her on the phone, we, so your husband's name is, and they stated, stated her husband's name, and his birth date is this, and they knew his birth date, and your address is this, stated the address. 
All we need now is your credit card number. And she said, let me go get it. And hung up on the thief that came to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, they're doing that because they're obviously able to dupe a few folks that wouldn't know any different. But she obviously knew, they're not going to ask for my credit card number. But there are people out there that obviously, they're able to deceive. Because she's thinking, she's thinking like, hey, wait a minute, you know, that's not characteristic of any organization that would be asking for my credit card number. She heard that somewhere. So that became kind of a framework to her thinking when someone asked her questions on the phone. That's not, this is not the Social Security office. In fact, that's why it says in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace his favor in your life, all that he wants to do in your life, and yet at the same time knowledge, meaning understand his nature and character so that when you hear a voice, you know that's not consistent with God's nature and character. That's outside of what I understand him to be. I love First Peter 2, 2 through 3. Listen to what it says. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. You ever seen a newborn infant going for their mama's breast or a bottle? Just going to town. That's the idea. That's the picture. Like newborn infants long for the, for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I mean, when you've tasted of the goodness of God, oh my goodness, you want more. You want to interact with Him more. You want to know Him. You want to experience Him more and more in your life. That's why I've also always loved Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Sweeter than coconut cream to my mouth. Coconut cream pie. Apple pie a la mode. Ooh. My wife made... Um, uh, what she make? She made. Uh, we got grandkids over this weekend. She made pancakes yesterday morning, and then this morning she made French toast. I'm loaded up this weekend. Okay, and those kids are running wild. We can't wait until mom and dad gets back. No, we're loving it. How sweet are your words to my taste? Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Here's your next uh, thought on your notes. There is no quick formula to hearing God's voice. No quick formula. It must be your highest passion, so it needs to be a value. Priority, you got to give God time, it needs to be a practice. Passion, priority, practice. You have to practice spiritual disciplines. Now, I've had people tell me, hey, you know what, church is important to me, reading God's Word prayer, all of that's really important. It's a value to me. But all I have to do is to look at your priorities, how much time you put in that area, and how you practice the spiritual disciplines. It would really tell me what you really value. You may say you value hearing God's voice, but if you're not giving that any time, if you're not spending time with Him and practicing spiritual disciplines, then you really don't value it as much as you may say you value it. So it starts with a passion. Do you really want to hear His voice? Do you have that as your highest value in your life, to hear from God, to interact with Him, to know Him? Passion, priority, practice. My wife called me the other day from her girlfriend's phone number, 
I didn't know it was her, and when I said, hello, this is Ray speaking, she said, hey. I said, who is this? She said, it's me. I said, me who? Your wife of 44 years this month. I said, no, you're not. You're a stranger. Okay, so let me, how many are thinking this never happened? Why is that? Because the 44 years with this gal of a lot of highs and lows, I can spot her voice, boom, just like that. She just says, hey, it's her. I love her sweet voice. I absolutely love that girl's sweet voice. In fact, I can spot her voice. She's got kind of a quiet voice, but I can still spot it in a room filled with people talking. I can, oh yeah, she's right over there. Now, if you were to call you up and say, hey, you'd say, who is this? You wouldn't be able to spot it. Why is that? Because you haven't spent as much time with her as I have. You might just barely know her. And when you think about how much time I've spent with her, loving her, encouraging her, and having her love me and encourage me, and we sit down and we talk, we just, we love spending time with each other. And so to me, as I said, it's a passion to, it's a value to, to, to know my wife, to hang out with her, uh, to, to love on her. It's a priority. We take out time. My, my sister came over the other night, and we were just sitting in the living room. She goes, what are you guys doing? We just said, we're just talking. She goes, oh, okay. And we, that's what we were doing. We're just, we're just talking to each other, enjoying each other's company. And it's a practice. It's a practice in our life. Now, similarly... I may be able to hear God's voice better than you because I have spent more time with Him. I mean, I've been a Christian since I was 10 years old and have walked with Him all the days of my life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I've spent a lot of time with God, and I, every week, every day, I spend time with Him, interacting with Him and knowing Him. So if you're a young believer and you're not hearing Him as well as I can hear him. It's, it's just, it comes at time. Give it some time. You need, to, you need to cultivate that intimacy with him, and it becomes just a part of who you are as you interact with God, as you get to know, as you know God. Spend time with him. Make it a passion, a priority, and a practice. I love the voice of God. I love hearing his voice. Now, when I talk about hearing the voice of God, I'm not talking about an, an audible voice of God. I've never heard an audible voice of God, but he doesn't need to speak to me audibly because I have his Holy Spirit living within me. Make sense? He can speak right to my, my thoughts. Give me impressions, promptings, convictions, dreams, visions. We'll talk about all of that in this whole, whole series. But I mean, he can speak directly to my spirit, to my heart, to my mind. But I've got to learn the difference between the stranger's voice, the thieves' and the robbers' voices, and his voice. Very important, it's critical for my well-being as a, as a believer. I love the voice of God. The voice of God calms my anxiousness. The voice of God convicts my waywardness. The voice of God comforts my loneliness. Oh my goodness, there have been times I've, been, I've felt so alone. And I felt His presence. He spoke to my heart. The voice of God captivates my attentiveness. 
I like what A.W. Tozer says, the man who would know God must give time to him. In fact, from his book, The Pursuit of God, listen to what he says here. For millions of Christians, God is no more real than he is to the non-Christian. Over against all of this cloudy vagueness stands the clear scriptural doctrine that God can be known in personal experience. A loving personality dominates the Bible. But why do the very ransom children of God know so little of that habitual conscious communion with God, which the scriptures seem to offer? The answer is our chronic unbelief. God and the spiritual world are real, but sin has so clouded the lenses of our hearts that we cannot see. The great unseen reality is God. As we begin to focus upon God, the things of the Spirit will take shape before our inner eyes. Obedience to the Word of Christ will bring an inward revelation of the Godhead. A new God consciousness will seize upon us, and we shall begin to taste and hear and inwardly feel the God who is our life and our all. God will become to us the great all in His presence, the glory and wonder of our lives. That's what God wants for us. So, Our ability to hear God is given, it's grown, and it's unbelievably gratifying. Here's your last one right here. Look at what he says in verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And notice this, and will go in and out and find pasture. He's talking about satisfaction, fullness of life. John 10b, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Fullness of life. Psalm 1611. How many are familiar with John 16, 11? You know what it says in his presence, fullness of joy? The first part of that says, he has shown me, you have shown me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. His presence, our interacting with God, the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth. Psalm 23, oh my goodness, Psalm 23 is all about God's guidance and leading us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because why? He's always with me. His presence goes with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's talking about his presence, his presence in our life, interacting with him, knowing him, experiencing him in your life. Nancy and I received a card recently from someone in our church. I'm just going to read to you an excerpt. This is what... uh, what it said, once we, started, once we started attending DBCC, it's like the veil was pulled off my eyes and I finally found teaching truth and transparency that has helped me encounter God and connect with Christ in a way that brings joyful tears. I used to say I'm a Christian because life's better with Jesus, but now I know I'm a follower of Christ because he is better than life. 
I had no idea what I was missing until I started receiving it. That's someone who is hearing the voice of God. So let me ask you this question. If someone were to ask you this question, why are you a Christian, what would you say? Would you say because Christ makes life better? Or would you say because Christ is better than life? Take a look at your notes there. We don't serve, obey, follow Christ because he makes life better, but because he is better than life. John 63, 3. He is better than life. Therefore, my lips will praise him. There's no greater love than his love for us and what we have in him. Here's the next point on your notes. The deepest and most durable happiness is not found from God but only in God. I love Philippians 3, 8, because Paul goes through all of his accomplishments, you know, all of his accolades. I mean, they're pretty impressive. He just goes through and lists all of them. And then he says, kind of towards, towards the end of that, he says, all of that is worthless compared to the priceless gain of knowing Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. This next thought, you've heard me say it many times, and I'm going to pound it into your heart. Intimacy with God is life's most satisfying reality. I'm convinced of that, and I want you to experience that more than ever. John 17, 3, for this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? So, Father God, thank you for giving us the ability to hear your voice and to have a personal relationship with you by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We pray that we would grow in our ability to hear your voice as we make it our greatest passion, priority, and practice through spiritual disciplines. Jesus, there is nothing more satisfying than knowing you, obeying you, following you, and serving you. We pray for those who are now making a public declaration of their faith in Christ Jesus. May this be a defining moment in each of their lives. May each one of them from this day forward, invest the rest of their lives in walking with you, living your word, contributing to your work, and making an impact in this world, all for your glory. In Jesus' beautiful name, and everyone said, amen. amen. You guys ready to party now? Even more so? Here we go. We're going to have all of those.